three, four. No, you idiot. <laughs> on four. <laughs> We're doing it on four, you fucking loser. There's One, a delay. Two, three, four. Okay, good. We're doing it, don't worry. <laughs> She's a fucking loser. <laughs> That's what that is. Why, why you clap? So that I can sync it up. Because she sends me her audio files. Very safe. We kept getting yelled at. That's why. <laughs> why don't you start us off? Okay. This is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Tell us, like... Tell us something about yourself. Yeah. My name is Lisa. I'm mm-hmm. Melanie's mom. Mm-hmm. I also happen to be Valerie's mom. <laughs> Perfect time to be here. Weird how that works. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. would hope. What's your favorite color? (laughs) What? What's your favorite color? My favorite color? (laughs) Purple. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Okay. Well, we've decided to have mom on, our mama on, because we originally recorded this on Mother's Day, but it's now Monday. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought we would just extend the... (laughs) <laughs> the offer. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to do Little Women today. Yeah. Love it. Love Little Women. You enjoyed your Mother's Day? I love my Mother's Day. <laughs> That's good. I think we're one for how many? 29? Uh, yeah. No, no. You guys did a good job. It was good. It was good. It was delicious and fun. Super fun. That is good. I'm glad you had fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yay. <clears throat> Sir, Little Women directed... This is the 2019... Uh, adaptation. It is the seventh film adaptation of the 1868 novel of the same name by Louisa T- May Alcott. Titular. 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 Titular name. Okay. <laughs> Directed by Greta Gerwig. Released a Christmas Day uh, in the U.S. Uh, 135 minutes. It's based on Little Women. It's the screenplay was by Greta Gerwig. Um, it stars <coughs> Emma Watson, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, Timothee Chalamet, Meryl Streep, <laughs> Tracy Letts, Bob Odenkirk, James Norton, Louis Garrel. Pause for effect celebration. I, I, and then Chris Cooper. He's hot. Don't even give me that. Oh, look I, at that guy. I would take Norton over him, but whatever. No way. Oh, yeah. No, he looks like a wet towel. No, he doesn't. Louis Gerald's like, oh my God, okay. look. Yes, she's a, changed her tune. He's got a little. No, no, no. Go go down here and, and let's look at some of his photos. Like... Meanwhile, I'm Come just on. sitting here watching this exchange. I don't really he's, know. He's like tall, dark, and What's handsome. What's his ethnicity? He he's is tall, French. dark, and handsome. Oh, okay. And oh. Chris Cooper is the last guy. <clears throat> Music by Alexander Desplat, who we love. We stand. We stand. Him, as the kids say. <laughs> um, it was uh, produ- produced by Columbia Pictures, Regency Enterprises, and Pascal Pictures, and distributed by Sony. Um, it was budgeted at $40 million and made $206 million at the box office. Not bad. Which is actually very good. Not bad for um, a story about women. Yeah, oh, right? Exactly. I like that. <clears throat> what happens if I... Does this bother you when I do this? When we speak? Can mm. you hear? Hear what? Are you talking to me? Yeah, because now we can hear ourselves. I can't hear you any better. <laughs> okay, so I kind of like seeing your sister's face also. Yeah, well, she's right there. Well, I didn't see her with that thing oh there. My God. Oh my anyway, God. Anyway, so the plot. <laughs> Read the fucking book. 
Um, <clears throat> this is different than... The movie was written slightly different than the book because it starts at the end, at the beginning. Um, so, essentially, it's about four sisters. Joe, Amy, <laughs> Meg, and Beth. <laughs> And their mom. Um, and their Aunt March, who's played by Meryl, our beloved Meryl. One name only. Just Meryl. Yeah. Just she Meryl. Should Just Meryl. She should be. She could choose either Meryl or Street. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. For real. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Glad we had that talk. <clears throat> Anywho. They're from Concord, Massachusetts. The story is of their life. There's like, uh, they're like foolish girls that they're I think that Louisa May Alcott does a good job of not making them very girly yeah like they're written as little kids mm-hmm. and yeah. they grow up to be young women so uh Joe March played by Saoirse Ronan is an aspiring writer and that's like her life she wants to be a writer of novels of plays anything um she doesn't have time for love she doesn't have time to fit into the tropes of you know, the young ingenue of the story. Right. Um, that's Amy's job. That's what Amy wants to do. Meg, played by Emma Watson, our darling Emma. Mm-hmm. She is the one who's, like, a little more prim and proper, like, I'll marry, but I don't... I'll do anything. You know, like, <laughs> right. I'm gonna be a mom. And then Beth is, like, this quiet, little, tiny cherub, little, innocent, little baby in the corner who ends up fucking dying if you can believe it Spoiler. are you supposed to tell all the things about it i guess it's... you've never listened to this podcast <laughs> i have listened i just mm, I, I mean... evidently uh-huh. also to your credit it has been around since the 1800s a hundred percent if you haven't hopped on this train like at least read one book is all i recommend because <laughs> if you haven't read even a little bit of this book there's a problem but anywho <clears throat> Um, it's just a story of their life. Um, there's a neighbor played by Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I have to say the whole uh, name. <laughs> Every time. 100%. Lori, uh, who falls in love with Joe, but Joe has no time, even though Joe obviously loves him, but she's, like, not in love with him, and, like, it's perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then <clears throat> life goes on. Beth passes away from scarlet fever, which brings the family back together. That's kind of where we begin the story, sort of. We begin the story with Saoirse Ronan, Joe, trying to sell her novel. And then we then launch into how that novel came to be. Um, so Lori loves Joe. Joe doesn't love Lori. Life goes on. They kind of separate because time and growing apart. Meg marries. She doesn't marry rich. She marries quite humbly. And then um, that kind of keeps her in Concord when she was one of the ones that was probably going to fly fly away. Right. Um, But Amy... uh, So Joe's supposed to be like the the daughter with the most... um, I guess, potential, because she's so smart. Um, But then she kind of loses her seat, her spot at the table with Aunt March, who's a super richy rich, who was going to take her to Europe and then decides instead to take Amy to Europe. And it's just inner conflict with the sisters because it's kind of always Joe and Amy pitted together between all the sisters. Um, And then Amy decides to go to Paris with with her aunt and... They're there, and it's, like, seven years 
after um, we first meet everybody. It's seven years later. So Amy then runs into Lori in Europe, and then they end up falling in love. Amy kind of admits that she's always loved Lori, and Lori's like, are you effing kidding me? I was right next door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the whole time I had no idea even though literally all she, she makes a cement cast of her foot to give to him because she thinks her feet are pretty <laughs> so if you ever think that a woman is being like not clear it's probably you <laughs> just remember um and then uh, they end up getting married, and then they come back up to be with the family when Beth passes away, and they're all reunited in the end. And then Louis Garrel, who plays a teacher, he's a teacher, mm-hmm. yeah, he plays a teacher in New York that she meets, and they um, have like a spark, but she's like, no, because he said he didn't like her book, but he was just being honest and constructive and like the French yes exactly Mm -hmm. truly and then he ends up like uh finding her in Concord and being like I'm going to California and she's like okay (laughs) and then he's like okay and then she uh I guess I'd like to speak about the end because I don't really know if she in this version if she actually stops him from going to California no I don't think she does that's the that's the big scene at the end, right? Where yeah, but it's always... But, but he's, like, leaving, then she stops him, but then it cuts to her at the publisher's office saying, like... No, but remember in the actual finale scene, they're all, like, together. They're definitely together. So mm-hmm. I don't think it was in California that they were. No, no, no. I thought it was supposed to be left open-ended as to whether or not she went for love or if she went for her career. I think she got both. Lucky bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, that's the fucking story. Read the goddamn book. Don't be crazy. And Melanie. Mom, this is my podcast, okay? You're a guest on my show. Just kidding. But you are. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk. Okay. Well, so first things first, it was snubbed for Best Director at the Academy Awards, which is to be expected because no women were nominated for best director but i did read that it was um it got six nominations it won for best costume but at the critics choice awards it did win for best adapted screenplay so we'll take it because obviously Hmm. Um, i don't accept that fine 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 (laughs) the british academy awards too i didn't know that they what is that called the baftas they they gave it five noms, and then uh, the Golden Globes got they gave it two noms. So it was nommed, but it only won slightly. And it, um, I mean, I will say that the best co- it did have best costume. Like this was crazy right. colors. Like they did a they did a really good job of like keeping it um, feeling like it was a period piece, but not being like crazy over the top. Um, and it it just felt like really like tasteful. Which I liked. Um, she says that. that she burps. <laughs> Tasteful blah. It's San Pellegrino water. Um, but okay, Did you so, like it, Mom? Yeah. I really liked it. I think it wasn't... Uh, sometimes films like that are sleepy. Mm-hmm. But I was completely captivated the whole time. Probably because of that stellar cast. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Best cast ever. Also, period pieces like that often... I know that some of this was in Europe for... What's her name? Um, But... Saoirse? No, Saoirse wasn't in Europe. Uh, Amy. Amy. Yeah, when Amy was in Europe. Often the period pieces that take place in Europe do seem stuffy, and they a lot of them are in England or mm-hmm. yeah, and so maybe that was the difference because this felt very well rounded. It's it. I felt like they did a really good job of like snubbing the nose at the society when she was in France, mm-hmm. like basically like if it if it was trying to be stuffy, like they made light of it really well. Like I liked how it felt like a young woman trying to live her life in France. It didn't feel like some high society like bimbo out mm-hmm. there like, you know, making a career. It felt like she was really struggling. And I liked mm-hmm. that. I think well, and that's true for all of them. Like it really it conveyed a lot of struggle really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like between um like the financial situation that um uh don't tell me uh Meg. Meg. Meg, she goes through Meg. this like financial moment yes. of like you know she's trying to like navigate marriage and and all of that, and then obviously you have Joe's struggle with her own genius um, and family and all of that. The only person who doesn't struggle in the like um, in the way that you struggle in society is Beth, which is very much uh, you know symbolic thing. She struggles in her health. Well, that's. Partially because she was never, she never surpassed an age to to struggle. Yeah, it just kind of. I like that in this adaptation that it really, it was very subtle, but it really was like all things revolved around Beth in a very sweet, like uh, grounding way. And in like in my mind, like Beth was the family, not not the dad. Hmm. You know, Hmm. was she? She's Australian, so none of the daughters were American. That's just amazing. So we're all clear. That's that is crazy to think about. Yeah, that is awesome. Where I don't know Florence. Where She's is from she from? England. England. Oh. Her accent, like her American accent, was like yeah. I had no idea. Me, I she did does neither. such That's a good job. Yeah. Um, oh, Brits. The Brits. Wait a minute. They're just better. Okay, so her brother, Florence Pugh's brother, is to- Sebastian Pugh. Um, he is Sebastian. He plays Tristane Martell in Game of Thrones, which neither of you have watched. But if anybody has watched that, he played <sighs> Tristane. And then he's also he's a like a performer. He was like he played Andrea Bocelli in a biopic. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. That's interesting. I had no idea. But he if you see him, you're like, I see the Florence connection. Like, they look so similar. Mm. I have no idea. Okay, sorry. Go on. By the way, Florence Pugh's 24. Yeah, I know. She's, like, just, like, a couple weeks older than me. Jesus. Which really hurts me. <laughs> but I also really like her, so I'm Yeah, fine. she's really good. It's chill. She's incredible. I would love to work with her. I would love to work with all these homies, but I definitely would want to work with, like, Sertia and Florence because they are my age. Right. And, and Timotei, just because we're twins. Timotei Literally the same face. She didn't say it this time. You're right. <gasps> Timotei Chalamet. Timotei Oh my god. <laughs> say it three times. Turn around. Turn around. On the left shoulder. <laughs> um, so, anywho. Yeah. It's gotten a lot of critical praise, like, 
overall it's like just stands out as like a really like the audience really really likes this this movie which obviously but um that's hard to do when it's when you're when you rewrite a story that's especially a story that's already been adapted into a film seven times like six other times so it's i think it's really impressive but also i think it was just really well um calculated like they really put a lot of thought into the cast they and i don't think Greta Gerwig was the original was originally tacked on to the production. No, I don't uh, think when so. it was first discussed. Right. I read somewhere that it wasn't until like three years later that they put her up for the for the directing. Position. I think she nailed it. Like I honestly, the way that this was written was a little more because if you when you read the book, um, it's slow. It moves slowly. It's a story of of children growing up and a father at war, and like you 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 fill in all the gaps slowly, and then there's a tragedy, and that's like the the turning point of the book, and then the family comes back together. But when you start with the the ending, then it really allowed there to be this really dynamic flipping that would go on that would catch you when you started to get like kind of engrossed in the current period. I like that. Like, I always find that to be interesting. Sometimes it doesn't work, but it really felt like it moved really well. I mean, this is a... How long is this movie? It's, like, two hours and 15 minutes or something like that? It's long. Yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, and it did not feel long. Um, no, it didn't. That's it was great. true. It just, like, there was moments where... It was where, fast-paced. Yeah. I mean, I think because, like you said, it's a slow story, and even the musical can be really slow. Like, it's just... I think... Like you said too, Mom, the when a period piece sometimes it's hard to capture the attention for right. the entire time mm-hmm. just because it's so like it just seems so inaccessible. But then yeah. in this this is a great adaptation because it's it's not necessarily modernized. I just think it's uh like palatable for yeah. anyone who wants to watch it and Right. I we I know we've already discussed all of this, but <clears throat> I really loved the whole cast, except I think Bob Odenkirk would have done better if they just, like, let him be Bob Odenkirk. It would have, like, chemistry between him and the girls and then him and his wife, Laura Dern, would have been natural if they just kind of let him... Or maybe, I don't know if Honestly, that was a director's it choice or if been, that was Bob Odenkirk being like, I've never been in Bob this Odenkirk, kind of a movie. The only, the, I, th- I thought about this long and hard. The only thing that could have done better than, well, no, not the only thing, but what who should have played Bob Odenkirk's role is like Kermit the Frog from A Christmas Story. <laughs> like he would have been the best. I think Bill Pullman <laughs> should have played Bob Odenkirk's part. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Ooh. Who's that? He was in While You Were Sleeping with Sandra. Oh yeah, that would have been. And yeah. it's the age range, and he's and he's kind of he just seems more fatherly. Yeah, he's got like a larger presence. Mm-hmm. Like it would make more sense. I think that's what it was about Bob Odenkirk. It was just kind of disappointing. <laughs> it disappointed me so bad. I didn't know anything about Sersha and. Um, Emma, honestly, that's what I knew of the movie at, when I went, because, you know, that's, like, what I do. And then when he showed up on the scene, I almost dropped dead. I was like, 
What? <laughs> I just think that it would have been better if they, like, let him do his thing. Or, like, if they at least, I don't know, if they let him improv when he enters the yeah. house. I think it would have been cool if it was <laughs> let funny. Him improv. You know? He'd be like, what's up? Or, like, I don't know what he would have done. Um, I also was slightly disappointed with Timothee Chalamet's, um, uh, again, I don't know if this is a director thing or if this was just a him thing. I just thought it was a little disappointing the way he breaks it to Joe that he's married Amy. And I also found it a little disappointing, just underwhelming when um, Amy's like, I've always loved you and I can't fucking believe you're telling me not to marry this man. Like, this is ridiculous. And um, he's just like, oh. (laughs) I wanted it to be, like, heartbreaking to him. I wanted him to be heartbroken that he... I he not do. only never saw it, but he also could have. Like, he could have seen it mm-hmm. and, like, not gone through all the grief he's gone through with Joe. Like, I wanted him to see all of the solutions that would have come about had he really recognized her love from the beginning. And I wanted him then to feel her pain for the fact that he never did. Don't you kind of think it was to possibly to keep the light shining on the women of the story. I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I thought that that was a very weird, like what? Now you're marrying her. Yeah. Really? And maybe, but I think it helped. But I think when you don't give the counterpart, if if we want the scene, if we want the story to be about the woman or all of the women, you have to give their counterparts some juice in my opinion otherwise it's kind of like it feels like if you were to watch a movie where it was one-sided and it's not even that their performance has to be bad it's just that if there's no real substance behind the other person then it's just it's it's a little it falls flat it's not a real story Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you're actually watching life it feels like you're watching a performance and I think that it would have been better if and not saying we had to focus on his reaction or his feeling. I just think it would have been better if there was a little more emphasis on the fact that he was affected by uh, her breaking the news to him after he broke the news to her. As so he's officially, like, seen her. I mm-hmm. think that the reason that there wasn't any emotion is because he doesn't love her. He just doesn't love her. And he's like oh, wow, you love me. I want love from Joe. I'm not going to get love from Joe, but I know you, and you make sense. I should marry you. Yeah, I think that's true, but again, I don't think that that was even emphasized. It was more just this, like, kind of a bland um, exchange of personal secrets Mm -hmm. I think and Mm -hmm. that is so juicy you know just tell someone a secret I mean I thought Florence Pugh did a good job of being like I can't believe this and then I was like Timothee (laughs) Charmaine And then I think I was equally as disappointed when he broke the news to Joe again. I wanted him to... I wanted to... I think what would have really solved that for me, like my personal thing, is if we had seen even like 35 seconds of a personal moment of him prepping to wake her up and tell her. Like I wanted to see him... Because the thing is, is that even though this is about the women, 
the men are involved in the women's storyline. Right. So I right. want to see them as they are, like 3D, well-rounded, fully, you know, yeah, I there. get that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that's where those were like really the only two points where I was like, oh, well, I mean, I was I liked it fine. But at the same time, I was just like, well, I <laughs> stronger choices could be made. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Who am I? I don't know. <laughs> but still. Uh, God, sorry, I'm looking at pictures of Christopher Abbott. I love Christopher Abbott. He's not in this movie, but I just, oh, I don't know. He should have been. You know oh. who he should have played? The teacher that marries Meg. Oh. And also, if we see Christopher Abbott marry Emma Watson, what else do we need to, to live <laughs> to sustain ourselves in this life? Oh, Christopher Abbott God. is one of the most underrated actors of his of our time, I he's believe. He's literally and one of the most beautiful men, too. He's so gorgeous, and he's oh. so... He's, like, so... Oh, deep, and... Oh, oh God. If Sorry. anyone knows Christopher Abbott, just quick, give us a little ring, and... Well, he can work with you, but he should call me. Just you guys always ruin everything for me. Just so you know, does mom, mom has a legitimate mom. Do you know like, what we're talking about? Affair with I do now. Posier, <laughs> and I told her that she's ruined it for me. If I ever meet him and fall in love, I can never bring him home. Yeah, I know. Now it's the same with Christopher <laughs> because of you. She's gonna start taking an interest in all of the stuff he's done. Watch. Well, I'm for sure gonna look him up. That's for <laughs> sure. Jesus Lord, help us all. He's Sorry. in a really good movie called James White, I believe, with Cynthia Nixon. Mm. And it's really, really, really good. Is it? It's super sweet Genre and super sad. Or what? Oh no, it's a drama. It's, it's a drama as all mm-hmm. hell. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia Nixon does an incredible job. She plays a dying mother. Oh, and it's really, really, good really, really, really well done. <clears throat> yeah, great. Right. Yay! Here on this Mother's Day edition. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Streep, of course, did a good job. I saw a hilarious interview with Greta Gerwig on probably Jimmy Kimmel. I think Jimmy Kimmel. And they were like, he was like, how was it? Jimmy Kimmel. How was it uh, working with Saoirse and Meryl? And she was like, I mean, I felt like a chaperone. Like, I didn't have to do anything. I was just like, you guys good? Do you need anything? (laughs) Kind of thing. And then he said, like, what would you have done if... Meryl was speaking in like a Spanish dialect and she was like that's what little women would have been (laughs) (laughs) we're going to France and we're going to Spain now (laughs) we're now in Spain anything you want the way yeah that's (laughs) is what you're gonna get imagine she's so great at just inhabiting a space in a film like my eyes go right to her like I can't you gotta be careful when you use Meryl right it's true (laughs) and I to be honest because I knew when she comes on the screen and I'm like oh Meryl Streep then when she's only in it as much as much as she is, it's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, really, it is. And, yeah. and it's totally great, but it's yeah. a little bit of a surprise because it's like, oh, right. it's not a Meryl movie. You right. know, it's not at all. So. You know what? It's exciting to me that she signed on for something. Exactly, it's yeah. exciting. She's truly an an 
actor. She's an artist because yeah. she's just interested in telling a story and yeah. like yeah. enhancing or provide contributing right. to the story. It doesn't necessarily have to be her. And plus, how many shining moments have we seen? So like she's like she can it's okay. retire. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's okay. She's had enough, but it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I thought it was great to have her on. It just adds a little like you know, a little flair to to it for the for because. Okay, this movie came out on Christmas, which means that every single family in America was supposed to take their grandparents to see it. Like, that's what that (laughs) means, right? (laughs) So, you know, because what do you do on Christmas Day? So the idea that they cast her... Like and they, I mean the the whole cast is just so agreeable. Everybody knows who Laura Dern is, you know. Like it just felt like there was this connection, not only as like people who love the story, Little Women, but also people who just love like big films. Like it felt like all of the actors were like, I'm totally on board with this because I know what this means as a film. Like I know how people are going to connect to it and relate to it because I'm in it. I, mm-hmm. I felt like there was a sense of that. Like these hmm. these actors knew their their range and the scope of like how their own acting can contribute to the film mm-hmm. uh, huh yeah uh, it, it was also very evident that they had an, a great time filming this and they had oh, a yeah. great chemistry with everybody yeah. Sab- for, yes right, 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 right. <laughs> but he was probably on set for two days and they gave him lines and I just think I want to thrived. talk with Greta I just don't understand why maybe so she's like friends her. with him well, I think like he's a, he's not a bad choice. I just think that if you're gonna use him, you gotta use him. Like you, you don't cast him because he's a great actor. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you cast him because he's funny yeah. and he's he's a character actor. And this is not a character. This he, sh- he should have come in through the door like Santa Claus. You know, like he should have just been like boom, like and then like gifts yeah, or whatever. Something. Like he it just, was too melancholic. It was when he enters because it was like. Are we happy to see him? Also, Laura's taller than him. Oh, I hate that. Right? I hated all of it. So it was they just had like, no what? chemistry. <laughs> I, I don't like that for some... I think that just, to me... It, uh, I when know. I just... I don't know if that's some, like, toxic thinking, but I really can't stand that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it exists, you don't need to see it. Unless that's, like, a part of their relationship. You know, where you're like, I'm the tall one, you're the short one, that's adorable to me. But, like, they put so much weight. I mean, it was the 1800s. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You get, I, you it can, didn't work. You just take what you can get. Come on. You don't have a lot of <laughs> options. You have a lot. You have less till. You have no time on this Should have been Bill Pullman. I think that could have worked. Or, again, I think nod to the 90s classic Little Women could have been Christian Bale. I mean, if if Meryl Streep's going to take on Aunt March, who's not a big part at all... I can't picture Christian Bale's being in a minor role. No, exactly. Like he that. is how you say prima donna. Prima donna. <laughs> I think, unlike Meryl, he would not have maybe God, even done He looks that. like such a baby. I'm like, I'm looking up the 94 one right now. I know, isn't mm-hmm. he crazy? Such a baby. Eric Stoltz. <gasps> he was in it? Oh, he's pretty. Well, we lost her. She's sorry. Did you know that Claire Danes was in it? Yeah, I didn't. And it's, I didn't make that we're all worse because of it. Yeah. What you, in the nineties, right? Yeah, like the nineties. Yeah. I like her. Classic <laughs> mom. Classic mom move. Freaking hate Claire. Dance. I like her. She sucks. No. Yeah. Did you see that one that she was in the horse woman? Temple one? Grandin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, 
Listen to me. Look, Temple Grandin, <laughs> congratulations, right? Temple, like, good work. But fuck the work that Temple Grandin does, which is to, like, provide a better way to slaughter cows. And we've lost her. Okay, number one. <laughs> number two, I've heard from credible sources She made that the whole thing up. Temple Grandin, maybe? Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> Temple Grandin's a fucking fraud. You heard it here first. No, that Claire Danes is a super hard actor to work with. Oh, yeah, Which I've heard that. Which is partially why her and Mandy Patinkin probably get along so swimmingly, because uh, Mandy. they're both apparently, like, like, really difficult to work with. Mandy is, like, I think he, because he was on that show, he was on that, what was that show in, like, the early, or the late 90s, early 2000s, and then he just wasn't on the show anymore. I feel like he's just, like, God, what was that show? It was, like, a crime show. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was, like, Criminal Minds or... Oh, I think so. And I'm just, like... It was, like, an... Yeah, I think it was, like, a Criminal Minds. I think it's Criminal... Yeah. And I... then he wasn't on it anymore, and I'm like, did they just kill him off? Was he, like, that bad to work with? No, they probably, they wrote probably him out of the like, yeah, he, uh, moved. <laughs> <laughs> he moved anyway, on. we got a new chief of police. Uh. Right. Uh, all right, well, so. Well, okay. do you have, um, an Local? article? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Christ. The New Yorker. It's like she's um, never done this before. <laughs> well, I did it yesterday, so. Well, sorry that... <laughs> Venus or whatever is in retrograde and <laughs> all of my stuff is effed up. So so this article from the New Yorker, Richard Richard? Did I say yeah, Richard Brody. Um, he has this little quip that I like, um, in like the middle of the article where he says the expansive and imaginative imaginative power of Gerwig's writing isn't limited to the rearrangement of events from the book, though it starts there. The very intricacy of the mosaic-like structure is a declaration from the outset that there's nothing simple or inevitable about the paths and details of these women's lives. Gerwig also reconfigures dialogue drastically and originally in order to embody her own passionately analytical view of the story's era, the women's lack of civil rights, the legal constraints placed on women by marriage, the narrow range of options that American society offered to women at the time, which, Richard, by the way, it's still, yeah. Happens. Uh, I'm just saying, the obstacles faced then as now by women in the arts and even a gleam of classic Hollywood obnoxiousness, which in a line of dialogue delivered by Aunt March that's borrowed from the arrogant yet phonogenic producer Samuel Goldwyn, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. Love. Just like that. It was good. I think that was a, a this, like, that section really, I think, for me, like, there's so many themes in, in the story of Little Women that you can go down these rabbit trails and, like, really... Because it's such a gigantic book. It has a lot of depth, and there's a lot of characters that you can... You can come back to them. Like, I'm always, like, I'm Joe. But, like, there are periods of time where I'm for sure Amy. Like, there's always, like, this back and forth that'll happen. Yeah. And this, like, really encapsulates what that what that is, which is basically just women in pursuit of life within, a, within the confines of a society. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that. Cool. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being bad, (laughs) 10 is not... No, that, that is nobody's scale, Melanie. The <laughs> 10 is the good thing. No, but the oh. point is, like, we need to see just how lame something is. Oh. 
Yeah. If you listen to the podcast, it's zero links. Exactly. So it's Ah. zero There's no lame. I'm a zero. There's no lame. Zero lame. Zero. In fact, I give it like a negative zero. Okay, well, I can't. Bob Odenkirk is still fucking me. Two. So give it a two. Okay, good. I, it's a, a two. A two? Oh, maybe a one. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to say that's one vicious. for Bob. One for Bob. Vicious. <laughs> um, I give it a zero, and um, I give it a Paula Abdul. It's a pa- the Paula Abdul of cinema. It's this idea that you see, you know you see Paula Abdul and you go oh she's adorable I love Paula like I would I don't know that I would like want to go out to see her do her thing and then like on the off chance you do and you're like <laughs> Paula Abdul for you know what I mean so that's what this was uh, that's good that's good that you did that I like that I like um, I give it. In the same, are we are we just describing it as like late '80s pop icons? Is that how we're classifying oh, this? Late '80s, yeah. Why not? Pop icons. All right. Yeah. Keep thinking. I mean, because <laughs> definitely, I'm gonna give it a Gloria Stefan, but it has to be mm-hmm. "Rhythm's Gonna Get You," like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because when that song comes on, then everybody's like, oh, "I forgot." Right. I do love her music. She's like overshadowed, like, and also some of her hits overshadow. Some of those. That's what I'm saying. It's like you have to. It's, deep it's cuts. literally like, oh, if you get in there, you're like, oh wait, she's real good. Right. So. And she's a dancer. Um, I give it George Michael. George you, Michael. Just because you lean oh, into her George ear doesn't mean Michael. that you can't hear. No, that's oh really good. Yeah. Yes, George Michael. He's like everywhere all the time. You're like, eh. Lyrically, I think he's brilliant. I do. And also, he's got a cult following. He's and he was hot stuff. Hot, hotty pants. And his hair? Oh, great hair. Ridiculous. Always. From wham skin, on. His skin always. is just like... Wham. Just so delicious. You know what I mean? <laughs> like his skin's smooth, supple. Shuffle. 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 He's dead now. Shut I know, your, your mouth. No, don't even. I'm not lying. She's not lying. <sighs> anyway, next week, um, we'll do Uncut Gems. Ugh. I know. I <laughs> you want to help on that? No. I hate. I'll say ugly things. I haven't seen it yet, but I know uh, it'll be bad because <laughs> everyone hates it. Um. Oh, Local Lounge, dude. Local Lounge. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to call out my local lounge is the Mission Tiki Drive-In here in Pomona. They're open. Now's the time if you have a drive-in near you. Go see if they're taking business. It's the perfect quarantine outing, basically. You stay in your car, bring... Bring quarantinis. Food. Bring, bring quarantinis. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, wait, hold on. You cannot bring alcohol to a driving. We are not well, advocating for that. Oh, we're not advocating for that. Just put it in a water bottle. No, we're we and can't. no one will know the difference. Open container. Can't do that. Open shit. container. But no. you're in your car. No, and listen. Yeah, driving with an open container. <laughs> you can't no, do that. No, we're not doing that. We, we'd never do that. We'd, we'd never would, do that. However, my shout out goes to the local teensy businesses that we frequent here and Patty's Mexican Food. Yes. yes. Oh. What we're picking up to Love Town it. Hill Love to it. the Tiki Drive-In. Mm-hmm. Doing the most right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Millie's Cafe because they just were able to reopen and they're like a staple here. There's a, there's a location, I think in Pasadena too, but the one in Silver Lake is like run by these guys who 
give no shits. And their, um, their slogan is service with a fuck you, which is like my favorite thing of all time. That's hilarious. Yeah. Let me tell you how I ju- Millie's Cafe, there is one in Pasadena. Yeah. And the reason that I know it is that uh, my partner sent me uh-huh. a little work check. Partner. My work partner, sorry. I am happily married. <laughs> With two lovely <laughs> daughters. Um, my, my partner teacher, Anna, she sent me, she's like, I, my brother thinks that this might be a va- vegan place. So I click, it, I yeah. go to it, and yeah. it, but here's what they say. Something like, big ass breakfast with butter and bacon. And I'm like, that is not anything vegan. No, but they have the a vegan massive menu vegan really menu. really good. Yeah. Massive. We should do that. We should. It's Are they fun. still operating? Yeah. yeah, obviously. Yeah. The one in Silver Lake is you have to you have to check about the one in Pasadena. I'm not sure, but if you go, mm-hmm. like literally, their vegan menu is almost bigger than their main menu, and it's a diner. Mm. So the Crazy. future, the future. Yeah, when we can cool. go out to restaurants. Yeah, I really just want a T-shirt that says "Service with the fuck you." It, I, they have. Why don't them. you just make one, dude? Oh, there it is. Long sleeve shirt. All right, bye. Oh, I'm gonna check that out. <clears throat> Doing All it. right. Well, this has been fun. Uncut gems next time you hear from us. I guess we're doing bi-weekly, but don't hold us to it. Please don't. I don't... God, please don't. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. Great. Bye, daughters. Timothy. Call me. 